Hey there. What would you say if I told you that there really is a way to work with an influencer and make some money, do it in a stress-free manner and in a way that you can have lasting success? Sound good? I want you to learn all about it. Hop on in. We're going to take a deep dive and you're going to leave feeling inspired. I'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So buckle up. Welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. Hey, everybody. I'm glad you have your earbuds in for this one because I think you're really going to enjoy it. You know, we talk about influencer marketing so much, certainly in the inner circle we do, but as e-commerce store owners, we are always looking for a way to work with people who have an audience that might be interested in our products. But I really think sometimes there is a big disconnect between what we think is appropriate when we work for an influencer or work with an influencer and what result we're looking for and really what the influencer needs to take away from the relationship, from working with us for their time and effort. And so a lucky me, I stumbled upon Courtney Lynn. She is an expert in this area. She has a group of uh, influencers that it's a monthly membership, just like the inner circle. And I nailed her down to come and join me on the podcast. We're going to hear behind the scenes how how to work with influencers. So it's a win-win for both of you. So Courtney, hello. So glad to see you here. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So your business is called Dog Mom Boss, is that right? Yep, that's right. So tell me a little bit about it. Like, who do you work with? Who's in? Who's in there? What? Uh, what kind of people are uh, wanting to be influencers with their with their pets these days? So I work with obsessed dog moms, dog moms who love their dogs so much that they have created an Instagram account for them, uh, update that account regularly. Um, and for many of them, they they love their dog and they're having so much fun posting on Instagram that what starts for fun as a hobby quickly turns into a ton of opportunities, working with different brands um, and showing off products that they really love um, and that their dogs really love too. Yeah. So often then their uh, DMs start blowing up with with requests from brands. And uh, I think that we could really, I mean, I'm guilty. (laughs) We're guilty of doing that at my business. But I think uh, what I would love to accomplish today in our conversation is I really would love online store owners to get a, a clear picture of how they could run a collab with an influencer that's successful. And so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions from a business owner's point of view, and I'm going to get to hear from somebody who lives this. And and it's going to be, I think, really an eye-opener for our members to hear. So, So you started Dog Mom Boss because you were exactly that person. Yes, exactly. So about two years ago, I brought home my first puppy ever, Hammy. Um, and I just loved him so much and wanted to take so many pictures of him that uh, we wound up just starting an Instagram account for him. And actually at the time, I had no idea that there was this entire universe of dog Instagram accounts. Um, it started just for fun. And then really quickly, uh, well, 
you know, I'm not going to lie. My dog Hammy is very cute. Um, and we're, I'm glad to be that. <laughs> that helps. Um, but also we were posting really regularly and just having fun with it. And brands started to notice that. Um, and they started reaching out to us and saying, Hey, you know, we, we love Hammy. Can we send him a bandana for him to wear? Or can we send this little, uh, water bottle for you guys to carry around on your walks? And so slowly, but surely we started partnering with brands first in exchange for products and, or as brand ambassadors. And then over time um, through paid partnerships as well. Okay. So you've run the whole gamut starting oh, yeah. from just walk around with my water bottle to, a, you know, a real promotion. And so I, I would love to know, so your members are all dog moms, but really I think what's important here for all of, all of the people that are listening, it doesn't necessarily have to be a dog mom. It could be any kind of influencer. It's still a person with an audience who is also investing time and energy into creating that audience. And, and so I think we have to remember that, but tell me this, when you uh, teach your members, your members about how they can promote effectively and at what point they ask to be compensated beyond free product, like what sort of thing do you uh, share with them about, really how they want to create this audience. What size should that audience be? What kind of engagement are they looking for? Like how, is there a clear way you think for influencers to demonstrate like the value that they offer to people who have brands like my people? I would, I wish there was a clear cut answer to this because this is one of the most common questions that I get. And there isn't necessarily a magic number. So for my influencers, they want to know, okay, if I get to, you know, 10,000 followers, does that mean I'm going to start getting paid? Um, and actually in my experience with Hammy's account, we had our first paid partnership at a thousand followers. Um, and so the number doesn't necessarily matter as much as um, the overall profile that you have. So, um, you know, I think one reason that brand was um, interested in working with us, even though we only had a thousand followers, followers was, well, number one, I think they could tell that um, even though our account was new, we were posting consistently. And I think they knew that our account was going to continue to grow. And so they were in a way making an investment in us saying, hey, we want to work with you now. And um, at this rate, and then over time, we actually worked with them again. Um, the second time we did a partnership, our account had already been well over 10,000 followers. So sometimes brands are looking for smaller accounts to build that relationship with. Um, and then the other thing though, that matters way more than the number of followers, in my opinion, is the engagement. So, um, when a brand is looking for an influencer to work with, what I really recommend the brand looks at is the, that engagement, um, and not just the engagement rate. There are tools online, uh, where you can look up an account's engagement rate, but you want to make sure it's authentic engagement. So, Sometimes, and even people in the dog community, they'll do things um, to sort of artificially boost their engagement. They might do, they might be part of engagement groups where, you know, everyone in this group says, hey, I'll comment for you, you comment for me. That kind of thing does happen. And so as a brand, you want to really take a look at the comments that an account is getting and see if they're authentic, you know, see if there's really a community being built around that account. And you can tell if the comments, and this is, you know, for a dog account, although this applies for humans as well. Sometimes you might see a bunch of generic comments like so cute or emojis or amazing, you know, kind of like one word responses. I really recommend looking for those accounts that have comments that are, you know, longer and more in depth, truly responding to the picture or the caption, because 
Um, that's how you're going to get your return on investment as a brand. That shows that there's a community um, that's paying attention to this account's posts. And then when they go to post about your product, for example, uh, the audience is going to care. They're going to pay attention. They're not going to just be, you know, commenting just for the sake of getting a comment back. So, um, that's what I recommend looking at even more so than specific numbers. See if there's a community. Um, and then other things that you want to take a look at as well are the demographic of the community. And sometimes this requires a conversation with the influencer. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with if you're interested in working with an influencer, asking them about their demographics of their audience. They should know this. They should be able to tell you um, the typical age range, um, the gender, um, the location where most of their audience lives. And that way you can make sure that that influencer's audience is a good fit for your target market. So um, it's way more than just a magic number, unfortunately. No, that's a great answer. And so I can we just dial it back a minute? Because I yeah. thought what you said about, um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I've never heard, like the, this was new to me, is that some, some of us who have brands might want to think about investing in somebody who is newer with a smaller account and playing the long game. Yeah. Working on a long-term partnership. And so uh, we didn't talk about this before we went live with the podcast, but uh, it's really interesting to me. And so is there, is there, uh, you can share as much as you want, but could you talk a little bit about that, how that company approached you and really what that arrangement looked like at the beginning, what you did for them, what they were prepared to invest in you and how, how people like me, could create those relationships that where the influencer feels like they are um, valued. Yeah, absolutely. A, part, a true partnership. Exactly. And, and I always say the best influencer marketing relationships are win-win. Um, that's going to benefit the influencer. It's going to benefit the brand. And um, it for anyone who hasn't um, spent much time in influencer marketing yet, what you might not know is that typically finding the influencer is the hardest part. And so I really do encourage brands to find um, accounts that can be potentially long-term partners. That's going to save you a lot of time down the road. Um, so um, the example that I shared about um, working with this brand when Hammy's account was about a thousand followers. Um, so it was a stem cell pet company. What's really cool is actually uh, they've been actually featured on Shark Tank after we partnered with them. Um, um, so we didn't know that, but what we did know was that um, it was a really unique opportunity. Um, they were also a local company. So we live in San Diego and they did too. And, and just having that connection made us a little bit more interested in working with them as well. We love, you know, having any kind of uh, supporting any kind of local businesses. Uh, so at that time, they first reached out to us uh, through direct message. And that's how, you know, a lot of these um, communications start. Um, and one thing I recommend is to always move any kind of influencer uh, marketing conversations to email as soon as possible. It's just more professional and, um, you know, on the brand side and the influencer side, DMs can get, you know, lost easily. So um, we moved to email pretty quickly. And I'll say, you know, <laughs> when they first reached out to me, because our account was so new and so small, um, I... I almost was worried at first that it was maybe some kind of scam or something. Cause in my head, I was thinking, why would this you know, brand want to work with us when our account was so small? Um, but I think like I had mentioned, they had just seen really the potential in our account. Um, and so when they reached out to us, uh, we kind of negotiated. They let me know what they were looking for. So at that time, they were looking for one post and something really specific. They wanted a post that would show 
um, the connection between the human and the dog, because uh, that's just sort of in alignment with their brand mission. Um, and, and this is something important for all brands to keep in mind. You want to have a clear goal going into the campaign. What do you want to get out of it? Um, and for them, their goal for that campaign was just awareness. They wanted to, to just start getting the word out there about their brands. Um, and so we weren't necessarily, we weren't even selling anything. We were just, um, it was just a picture actually of Hammy and my boyfriend with the beach behind them. It was beautiful. And then we wrote a little caption using, um, you know, some of the guidance that they had provided for us. So um, we had that first campaign. Um, and because it was just an awareness campaign, there wasn't a ton um, that they could necessarily measure, but they liked that um, I started a conversation. They liked, as I had mentioned before, that in the comments, people seemed you know, interested, like, oh, what is this? I've never heard of this brand before. And that was really what they wanted at that point. Um, and what was interesting is our account was growing so quickly that when they first reached out to us, we had about a thousand followers. By the time our account, um, by the time the post actually went live, I think we had about 5,000. And so it was actually an incredible investment for them because they essentially were, you know, paying us for about a thousand followers. By the time it went live, our account had um, grown five times that. And so that's actually why I think it's really smart for brands to potentially find these smaller influencers that you can just kind of tell by the high quality of the pictures, the engaging uh, captions the community and the comments. You want to find accounts like that because if the, and also you can take a look at their metrics to see, you know, are they growing consistently? That could be something that really pays off big time, um, you know, by the time the campaign is live, which sometimes can take, you know, um, a month or a couple months, depending on what's involved. And so you did uh, a post. This is so interesting to me. So you did a post uh, in your feed and was it one post or was it a series of posts that you did? And were there stories that you did as well? Like, was it, did they, were they super clear on what they wanted from you? Yes, they were very clear, which I appreciated. Uh, uh-huh. That makes it easier for the influencer for sure. So it was one post. Um, and I believe it was one story at that time. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we did a follow-up campaign with them. I think it was probably about six months later. And so at that point, we did, again, one post. Um, and then we also, at that point, um, we had had um, over 10,000 followers. We were able to do the swipe up in the stories. So for that second uh, campaign, we put a lot more emphasis on the stories. And so I think we did a total of five stories with the swipe up. And for that one, we also put a link in our bio for their um for that brand leading to this opt-in. So they were doing at that time a giveaway where if someone fills in their email address, you get get entered into this giveaway to win um, a free spay or neuter for your pet and their stem cell collection service. Um, And so that was actually a really successful campaign for both of us because of how many people actually opted in using the link in our bio um, or the link in our swipe up. So what I love about this is that it was totally clear from the brand what they wanted. So you could make a decision about whether that was like in line with what you felt comfortable doing. But I'm feeling I'm getting the clear impression that they also gave you, they paid you. Oh, yes. Not in product. They paid you in money. And so for you, then it, it changed. It's a game changer because now the transaction is super clear and you know that you've, you have an obligation to deliver what you promised. And so 
I just love that that was a really solid, uh, like it was, it was no different than going out and buying an ad on Instagram. There was a transaction, except perhaps the audience was a little bit higher quality. That's what I love about it is that you had that audience. That's really helpful. That's helpful for me to hear, but it's also helpful for everyone listening. And so let's talk about um, the disconnect that we see and the mistakes that store owners make when they approach people like you. Like, I think that (laughs) there's disconnect, right? Yes. And so talk about that because I've actually, you have this uh, cool little group on Facebook. We'll get to that at the end so that people could uh, perhaps join if they'd like. But, um, but you, I've, I've seen chatter, chatter about that. Well, when is it okay to ask to be paid? And actually don't need any more stuff and so so tell me about that like what are the mistakes that people like me make when we approach people like you okay so um there's a couple i would say um things that make it more difficult for an influencer. Um, The first one would be what we were just talking about a minute ago, which is that um, it's not necessarily clear what the brand wants. So one of the most difficult things for me as an influencer is if a brand reaches out and says, hey, we love Hammy's account. Do you want to collaborate? And that's it. Because something like that is just so open-ended that I don't know as an influencer what you're looking for from me. I don't know if it's going to be free or paid. You're going to give me product. And so that's something where you know, when I was at the height of this and getting a ton of DMs and emails, those are the ones that sometimes I wouldn't even, you know, have the time to respond to. So I definitely recommend if you're going to reach out to an influencer, um, you want to be pretty clear and, and you can leave it open for negotiation. A big part of influencer marketing is negotiation, but going into um, starting any influencer campaign, you want to be clear as the brand, what is the goal of the campaign and what action do you want this influencer's followers to take? So do you want it to be brand awareness? Like I mentioned with that first paid example I shared, or do you want it to be a specific action? Like the second example I shared and, and the specific action could be either clicks to a website, it could be conversions or sales, or it could be downloads or subscribers, things like that. So going into, before you even reach out to an influencer, get really clear on what's the goal of the campaign and how will that be measured as well? So can I just interrupt? I love you. (laughs) You speak my language. Just got to (laughs) say. So I used to be a teacher, so I'm all about goals and measuring progress. And, you know, that applies to this as well. So good, Courtney. So (laughs) go into it with a goal. Don't just like lob something out there that says, hey, do you want to collaborate? Yep. Go into it with a goal. What was the second point? And the second is also know how you're going to measure that goal. Put a measuring stick on it. Exactly. Love it. in the example I shared where the, the stem cell company wanted us to have them do a give or have my followers enter a giveaway, they gave us our own unique link. And so that way through the unique link, um, they could track, you know, how many people were clicking it, how many people were opting in. So you want to have all of this, at least an idea of this prepared in advance before you even reach out to the influencer. And this is also important because the goal of your campaign is going to help you determine who might be the best influencer. If you're just looking for 
brand awareness, that might be a different influencer than if you're looking for someone who is going to convert to sales. You know, some influencers might be um, better at certain actions than others. Um, and so just get really clear on the goal um, and the measurement before you even uh, reach out to influencers. Um, and then the next thing is, as a brand, get clear on what your budget is. And so um, whether you're going into this campaign and you're your only budget is free products. And that's okay because there are influencers who are willing to do that. Uh, typically like the newer ones or the ones with uh, smaller accounts, or if you're actually going to be paying cash, whatever that is, have an idea of that in mind as well, uh, because that's also going to help you determine which influencers to reach out to. So, you know, if you have a, a smaller budget or if you have a much bigger budget, then you're going to potentially be looking at different influencers or um, a different amount of influencers. Um, so have all those things in mind before um, before you even start looking for the influencer. Um, so those would be my my biggest tips. Um, and then, like we mentioned um, a little bit ago. Also know what you want the campaign to look like. So do you want it to be a feed post? Do you want it to be a reel? Do you want it to be a story with a swipe up? You know, some accounts are better at certain things than others. Um, there's a lot of accounts out there that are great at reels and there are others that aren't. Um, and so if you're looking for a reel, you know, you want to make sure that that account is already demonstrating that they're uh, that they're good at that. Or if you want one that can do a swipe up in the story, then, you know, you can only look at influencers with 10,000 plus. So getting clear on all of this is going to make it easier later when you then start looking for influencers to reach out to. Yeah. You know what I'm taking away from this part of the combo is that um, put the effort into this that you would put into pretty much any other marketing activity. Like why, why do you, why do we as, uh, as store owners or brand owners, why do we, uh, you know, just, law about something casual and expect an amazing result like we have to take responsibility for the, su the success and of course that was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is how do we measure these things and what you said was really smart I think that you know there's different levels of success success isn't always a sale when you just ask somebody to put one post in and so once you're clear on that then you can actually measure that uh, success in a different way, see it in a different light. So I love that. I love that you've, you've said that. That just makes so much sense when I rudely interrupted you, but I was like, okay, this is, this is just what everybody needs to hear. And, and so I, I just think it's so, so solid. And uh, I would love to think about how we could actually uh, determine what is fair when we are making an offer to someone like is there some sort of guideline you can give us or um like honestly lots of people in in my world would easily spend a hundred dollars on some facebook ads without any guarantee of a result what's fair for us to offer uh and and i i'm guessing that a lot of people in your world are doing this part-time they have full-time jobs they have a life and so they don't like they don't have a limited amount of time to like have a you know back and forth about it too so what what is fair in your world what do you how do we how do we put uh put this into perspective for somebody like me yeah, absolutely. So there are some or, uh, formulas out there that can give you a starting point. Um, and I'll share that first, and then we can talk a little bit more about that. But 
um, the sort of starting point formula is that for every uh, 10,000 followers, you would pay them about $100. So that's about the starting formula. And then plus, um, sometimes the formula will get more uh, complicated where you'll also take into account their engagement rate because there could be an account that has 10,000 followers with a really low engagement rate or one with a really high. Um, and so if you, if you do, if you look online, you'll find different um, influencer marketing rate calculators. And I think that's a good place to start. Um, but again, that's just a starting point. Another thing I'll mention is that most influencers already have their own rates in mind. And so um, that's why a lot of times the best thing I recommend doing is opening up a conversation with the influencer. Once you already have done the research we talked about earlier, be really clear, let them know what it is that you're looking for. Um, and then you can start the conversation about, you know, about how much would you normally charge for that? Or you could just come straight out the gate and, you know, offer some kind of price, but know that negotiation is really, really common um, in this whole um in this whole interaction. So um, I was someone that actually was pretty like shy about negotiation at first. It kind of made me uncomfortable, but I learned that's just how this goes. Um, and the negotiation also isn't just the rate. You might also negotiate how many posts or you might negotiate how many stories. Um, another factor that can um, impact the price is the timeline. If you need the influencer to post this next week, that's going to come at a higher cost than you know if they have a whole month to prepare. So there are some different factors that are going to go into the price, uh, the deliverables, the timeline, and then another factor would be the image rights. So how many rights you want to the image, whether you want to be able to use any image they give you for ads and things like that, that's going to come at a higher cost as well. Um, but don't be intimidated by this. Just know that um, as long as you have an idea of what your budget is and what you're looking for, you'll be able to find an influencer that's willing to work with you. Um, and sometimes what we would do, um, if, if there was a smaller brand that maybe didn't have um, a high marketing budget, we would find different ways to work with them. So maybe instead of doing two posts, we would say, okay, let's do, you know, one post in a story. And that way we can, um, you know, stay within your budget. Uh, the influencer most likely wants to make it work as well. Um, so I just really recommend going into the whole, um, the whole conversation with an open mind and just being uh, willing to be flexible with it. Yeah. And knowing that that's a real person on the other end. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, one one other thing I'll say, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of my audience at least have full-time jobs and that's not true for every influencer, but I think most influencers that, um, most influencers are actually working a job and doing this, you know, part-time, maybe as a side hustle. And so I wouldn't say that they don't necessarily have time to communicate back and forth and negotiate. Um, but their time is limited. So you want to make sure that you're, you know, giving as much information as possible. Um, but also know that because these influencers typically have a full-time job or a part-time job, they're not necessarily um, going to be as interested sometimes in uh, doing something in exchange for free. That, at least that was my case. You know, once Cami's account had grown quite a bit and we were getting offers for some paid partnerships, um, I didn't really have the time anymore to do 
do the free ones. And so brands who were reaching out to us and weren't offering any money at all, it was hard for me to really prioritize that. So, um, you know, you brought up a great point that a lot of businesses were spending $100, $200 on Facebook ads without really thinking about it. So, um, you know, if you're kind of wondering as a business, how am I going to pay an influencer? It might just be a matter of, you know, shifting some money around and, and trying it and seeing how it goes. Yeah. And so I know that uh, also sometimes I'll hear that people have some product for free and they don't get pictures back and, 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 you know, I, things happen and we all kind of have uh, times in our business where something we thought was going to happen and we invested in doesn't work out. So I understand that, but I have to think that if there's a little bit of money attached to these things, these uh, requests, that that really moves your request up the the priority level because most people are good and most people don't want to take your money without delivering and and so i i'm really enthused by this conversation and i i'm it's really opened my mind a little bit and i hope it's the same for our uh, our audience and yeah. quick question so most times it would be a paypal transaction is that how it would be a payment yes. would be made and the payment is made and then the uh, posts are delivered? So that depends. Um, so sometimes the payment is made up front and then the post is delivered. Sometimes it's um, half up front, half after. Sometimes I've just been paid after. Um, that varies. Um, and really what I'll say is typically that depends on what's in the contract. So Susan, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes brands will send out products and not hear anything back. Um, and I really recommend that every brand um, when working with an influencer uses a contract. And I know that for me, that was a little bit maybe intimidating at first when those brands did reach out to contracts. But now I know that contracts are really designed to protect both parties. And I teach this to my influencers as well, that they really should never be doing um, partnerships with brands without a contract either, just in case, you know, they do, it has happened to influencers that they will do a post and not get paid after. So, yeah. you know, on both sides of the coin, there are times when, there isn't the follow through. Um, so I really recommend as a brand finding a um, influencer marketing contract template. There's a lot of different ones online um, and really get to know it, spend some time reading through it. Uh, and then don't be afraid to send that out, whether it's, um, you know, a paid partnership or, you know, I've even had people send them out just for free products, basically just saying, Hey, you know, by, um, you know, you agreed that in exchange for this product, you're going to do a post for me. So this is just formalizing it. Um, and if it's a small product, you know, or a smaller value, you might not decide to do this, but um, it's something we're teaching influencers as well. I think if both sides of the um, relationship are used to and expected, uh, expecting contracts, it's just going to make um, this a more professional relationship on both sides. Yeah, it just kind of legitimizes the whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> So can we take a minute, and it doesn't have to be like full of legalese and like it, it can be pretty simple, I'm sure as well. Yes. So, so can we talk a little bit about affiliate marketing? Because I know that that's something that many people are interested in as brands, but, but I have, I, in full disclosure, I have not seen it done successfully very many times. I think it's, um, I, I think that it has a lot of places where it can go off the rails and people can start out strong and then it becomes a job that they don't want to do. Tell me what, what your experience with that is. If, 
if any, and how, if someone really wants to go down that path, how can we make it easy for our affiliates? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll say that when I first started um, Hammy's influencer account, um, I was someone who was more interested in the paid partnerships and the affiliate partnerships at first. Um, I wasn't as motivated by them. It's something where you're not necessarily getting, you know, the upfront money. Um, and so I can see why, you know, as an influencer, sometimes that might not be as attractive. Um, and now as a business owner with my membership, I love affiliate marketing. It's actually been a big reason why my membership has been so successful and, and grows. Um, and I think, you know, just personally, one reason why my affiliate marketing has been successful with my membership is because I offer an amount to members that are motivating, that's motivating. So I offer them a 30% recurring commission, which, um, you know, isn't a small amount of money. It's enough money that makes influencers say, Hey, you know, I think I'll post on my stories about that. That could really, um, pay off, especially as a membership, it's a recurring, um, commission. So they they'll continue to get it month after month. Um, so that's the first thing I would encourage brands to think about and look at and make sure, you know, is what you're offering to influencers, something that is really going to motivate them. Um, another thing that I encourage, influencers, when they're looking at affiliate marketing campaigns is to only say yes to the ones that are products that you're already using and loving. That's how an affiliate marketing campaign works the best. When you're, you know, you're already using this, this dog collar, you know, your dog's wearing it every day. You're already sharing about, like, it's already naturally in the pictures you're sharing. So you may as well, you know, share a code and encourage your followers to go check out the website. Um, so as a brand, when you're looking for people to add to your affiliate marketing campaign, make sure that they're ones who are, um, you know, your, your true super fans. They're ones who are already using your products and posting about it. Um, and that's going to get you a lot farther. Um, the brands who had reached out to us that I had never heard of before, and they asked me to join the affiliate marketing program. Normally, I wouldn't do it because, um, you know, the way you're successful as an influencer with affiliate marketing is... Uh, the more you post about it, the more sales you might get. So I'm not going to post a lot about this, you know, product I've never heard of or tried before. Um, so those were a few tips. Was there more about affiliate marketing that you were um, no, wondering I think, about? I think you nailed it. I think that that's, and the, I think that's why it goes off the rails is because it's uh, like anything else that we sell what is top of mind and what we focus on is what we sell. And when there's not enough money to make a difference in someone's life, it's really, it might be fun for a month or so, but then after that, if there's not enough compensation to make it worth their while, then it quickly goes to the bottom of the pile. And plus these people are influencers and they have an audience for a reason. And if their feed becomes just a constant cycle of buy this, buy this, buy this, then I think their engagement will end up in the toilet. So, I, so yes. I think that they're worried about that too. That's not what they started out to do. And so I, I've only seen it actually done successfully with influencers in a large group once. And I think that it's, again, it's like anything else you decide to do. If you make a plan, figure out what you want to happen, and then how you're going to make that happen and how everybody can win, not just you, you have a better chance at success. But I would agree with you that it's basically, if it, if you're getting a check for $30 a month, it, it, it like, you know, that's barely Starbucks. Let's be honest. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, you know, I think also successful affiliate marketing campaigns are more than just the commission as well. Like a lot of times there are some kind of rewards that go along with it. So um, you, I think about that as well and potentially, um, well, actually thinking about times when we were um, ambassadors for different uh, brands, not only were we making commission, but, you know, that brand has their own audience. And if they were resharing pictures and stories of my dog, that can help us grow our audience too. So it isn't just about the money. When you're doing an affiliate marketing campaign, um, it's all about the relationships. So you want to think about how can you, you know, um, reward the influencer, whether or not they're making sales, by the way, because it might take time for those sales to come, but how can you reward them? How can you really um, nourish that relationship? Because it's long-term at that point. It's long-term. And the more that the influencer feels the love from the brand, the more they're going to remember to, you know, grab that specific leash before they go for a walk or, you know, put on those specific socks when they're taking, doing their photo shoot. So you have to stay top of mind um, and you want to find fun, unique ways to reward and recognize your ambassadors or affiliates. Totally agree. And so again, that's about playing the long game when you're a brand. And so I just want everyone to onboard this, that, that probably if you are a product where you, most people just buy once and never again, this is not a great path for you, that you will be far further ahead to uh, reward your influencer, your affiliate with a decent commission so that they feel like they are con- compensated for their time. And look at the lifetime value of your client. So if you have a product that people buy over and over again, you're always releasing something new that their audience might be interested in. I think that's a way better path than if you are more of what we call a one and done business. So thank you for that. Like that's a lot of, I believe you're right. It's a relationship. And so if you have these affiliates, you can't just sign up affiliates and then forget they exist. They need to be the very important people in your business. They are actually your customers. You have to treat them very bad. They're they're your salespeople too. That's how I think of my affiliates. They're my salespeople and I, and I want to treat them with a lot of love and respect so that they continue to, um, you know, just share the, uh, share my business in a, in the most positive way possible. Yeah. So there's one other thing I wanted to just, uh, uh, like bat around with you. One other thing that I think about something that I talk about all the time and in its partnerships, like how do we partner with others who have a similar audience to us, they actually might even be selling something or they might not, but how do we partner with them? So it's a win for both of us. And I have always encouraged uh, our members to create relationships and partners with people who have an audience of buyers because it's a qualified audience then. You know that it's more than just fun. They actually do uh, whip out that credit card and make a purchase. And so in keeping in mind with that, I was I'm really interested in whether or not you encourage your influencers to develop uh, an email list or to create a business manager account for their account and actually start, because you know you can share audiences, right? They could start building engagement audiences on Facebook and Instagram that could be shared with the brands. What are are your thoughts on all of that? 
So when I first started uh, Hammy's account, I didn't know about any of that. Um, and I, that's actually something that I learned um, through working with brands. Brands would ask me, you know, if those were things I had set up or some of them even, you know, walk me through the process of setting that up. And I'm so happy that I did because it really did um, give me more opportunities and um, more uh, ways to not only grow my audience, but give it it's more value for the brands. Um, and so I do encourage uh, some of my influencers, depending on where they're at, to think about things like starting an email list um, and really think more about long-term. And so I ask them a lot, you know, think about why you started this account, but also think about why you continue it. You may have started it for fun, but maybe now you're really seeing this as something that you want to continue to do. Um, you know, you like having this platform, you like sharing about products and, and things that, you know, make a difference in your life. Um, so I do encourage them to either start an email list. Some of them also start blogs um, because you really want to as you become an influencer, have ways to uh, have more evergreen content. And that's something that I'll talk to them about. You know, you post an Instagram post and it'll be up for a couple of days and then it's gone. Um, you know, in terms of like being able to be seen and or searched really easily. Uh, so that is definitely something that um, I, I recommend. And, and some influencers and some of my members, you know, they're just doing this for fun. They're not necessarily, you know, intending to become a full-time influencer. So they don't want to go through the trouble of starting um, an email list. But the ones who do, um, they're able to get some of those bigger partnerships with brands, or they're able to negotiate for more money because they can then not only do an Instagram post, but they can send an, an email to their email list or um, do a blog post, things like that. Yeah, so good. I love that. I, I can't think of anything else that I, I'm dying to know right now, but I feel like I, I want to circle back with you. I think this has been like incredibly helpful, like a real eye-opener. First for me, um, you know, I always had a sense that you can't just keep asking, like these people are just doing this for fun. And, you know, there comes a point when they don't need any more product, they would need some compensation. So just to hear how you would organize that offer and put it together in a package and pay attention to it instead of, mm -hmm. the, and, you know, I'm guilty of saying, do you want to just DM her and see if she wants to work with us? Like, bad plan now that I've listened to you. So I think you're really going to help people who are brands. I love what you're sharing about influencers. And I just, I wish you all the best, Courtney, with this. I'm going to like change what I do and really think about what opportunities there are for me, how I'm going to measure success with them. And, uh, and I want to share this not only with my, the people who are listening to the podcast, but with our members in our inner circle, because ad costs are going crazy iOS 14 is a problem, uh, 15 also a problem. And so we have to get a little bit more creative. It's not the end of the world when these changes happen. If we think back to what happened back in, you know, uh, 2012, when organic reach started dropping, you know, we, the world is ending. It's not, it's just that people are still taking those actions. We're just able to track them less or in a different way. And so how can we get creative? We're all smart. We all have some sort of audience. How can we get creative and really work together, sharing audiences and making a better experience for our customers? So I just love that. So, so what's next for you as the dog mom boss? I would love to know that. Where are you at right now? 
So I have a membership called the Pet Influencer Society. Um, and so I'm working on growing that and um, spreading that and reaching, you know, as many pet influencers and dog mom influencers as possible. And then, you know, it's really interesting we're having this conversation because something that's been coming up more and more for me is not only the influencers being interested in learning about this, but the brands. So I've had actually some brands in the dog industry joining my membership and wanting to learn from me about how they can work with influencers. And so where I really see um, my business and my membership going is um, being that connection between the two and making it so that, you know, the influencers and the brands, they're both learning about this. They're learning how they can both win um, through working together. Um, and also, you know, reducing any, um, you know, overwhelm or I, I know that brands sometimes can be just as nervous as influencers about starting this. And so I want to help them all feel comfortable working together. Um, and like you mentioned, because uh, Facebook ads are changing, I just think there's um, there's so much opportunity for influencer marketing to continue to grow. And by the way, dog influencer marketing specifically, if, if you think about it, any ad or commercial I've seen lately has a dog in it. So for your people, even if they're not selling um, dog products, I encourage them to think about how could you work with a dog or a dog mom influencer um, to reach potentially a whole new market that you uh, hadn't even considered before. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because um, we talked a little bit before we jumped on. And so are you really encouraging the people that you work with to uh, like kind of drop, get out from behind the curtain and be a part of this, uh, this account and be a face that people recognize and can connect with because connection is such a big deal. Uh, what do you, what is, what are your top recommendations for those moms? Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's a process I went through when I started Hammy's account, it was just him. And you know, what really pushed me to bring myself more into the account was that original campaign we talked about at the beginning where that brand said, Hey, we want a picture that's showing the human dog connection. And I thought I never show humans on my account. You know, that really pushed me to start thinking outside of the box. And, um, Ever since that campaign, I started bringing me and my boyfriend more and more into the account. We noticed while doing that, we were able to create even uh, stronger connections with our community because yes, Hanny is cute, but there's people behind there, right? There's people behind any account. Um, and that also offered opened opportunities for us to work with a lot of different brands, you know, not just dog specific ones, uh, but ones where, you know, either my boyfriend or I would use those products as well. Um, and so it is absolutely something that I encourage um, my members and my community to do, to bring the human into the account um, as much as possible um, and to share, especially things that are important or passionate to you. Um, and one thing, you know, as I was growing Hammy's account um, and, and his account, you know, now has over 25,000 followers. As I was growing this platform, I realized that, um, you know, I have this audience, people are paying attention, people are watching and reading what I write. So how am I going to use this platform for good? Um, and so that really ties into the human element that I encourage my dog moms to do, like bring yourself into the account, but also 
bring some of your passions into the account. Like for me, one of my passions is mental health. I was an elementary school counselor uh, before starting this business. And so, um, you know, I would be talking sometimes about mental health and, and using my cute dog hammy to soften that and make it a little bit um, easier for people to talk about. Um, and some people in my community have done a really great job of using their dog and dog mom account to talk about social justice or mental health or uh, disabilities, you know, whatever might apply to them, um, that creates this deep connection with your community. And it also helps, um, you know, brand, it, it creates a stronger connection with certain brands too, because brands, especially these days are, you know, really um, sharing more about their values and they're making sure they're aligning with influencers who share those same values. And so that's really where I'm pushing my members. I'm pushing them to get a little bit deeper and, uh, and see where that goes. And it, it's been really successful. Yeah. And it's okay to be real. You don't have to be perfectly polished every time we tell Absolutely. our brand owners the same thing. It's okay to be real. And it's okay also to bring what your values are out into your business. And it's true that some people will go away when they, if you know, you have values that they're, you know, that don't resonate with them, but it'll pull those people who do so much closer to your yes. business. And I, as you know, someone who's been in e-commerce pretty much forever, um, I know that people buy from people ultimately and our advantage against, uh, your advantage against the Kardashians and mine against Amazon is that we are real people and that connection that we we're accessible, we're listening, we want our our uh, our people who are supporting our business to feel valued, all those things that that the big guys can't do. And so it's okay to show up without your makeup and say, I you know. I believe in, you know, equal pay for women or whatever that might be. That's totally cool. Yeah, I love that. So I think there's going to be people who want to meet you. Where are they going to find you? Where should people go to see you? I would love to connect. Um, so my, I have a Facebook group and it's called dog mom bosses. So I would love to have you come join our Facebook group. It's a cool mixture of, as I mentioned before, influencers and business owners, not even specifically just a uh, dog related on either side anymore. Um, so that's where my main community is. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm at the dog mom boss. Um, and then, um, if you want to check out Hammy's account, uh, he is at hammy and dot me, hammy and me. So hammy, H A M M Y. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Really good. I think so many people are going to get a lot of value from this. I really appreciate you just sharing all the things. It was so good. So listen, guys, go check out Courtney's uh, free group, go check out hammy. Uh, let me know what you thought of this episode and or what you're going to do going forward. What action are you going to take? I'm going to mull it over, but I'm definitely going to do something. Thank you so much, Courtney. Of course. Thank you. See you soon. Hey, listen, if you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to 50K and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our inner circle you know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way. And you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the inner circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results 
And because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you. And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to the socialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner dash circle and get on the wait list. We will send you a lesson so that you can see what's waiting for you on the inside. And we'll also invite you to join us the next time we are open to take new members. So listen, friends, that's all. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next week.